0: Welcome to the Victory Orlando podcast. We exist to reach people with the life-giving message of Jesus and to connect them with their purpose. To learn more about us, visit us at victoryorlando.com. Thanks for listening. We pray that you are encouraged and inspired by today's message. We've been talking in this whole series of making space about making space for what God wants to do in our lives. Because our lives can get cluttered. So often if your kitchen counter is like mine, it gets cluttered, right? And sometimes you just got to clear things out. And then when the space is cleared, it's like, okay, now we can make dinner, right? And sometimes our lives are like that. Our, our beings are like that. They're cluttered up with so much stuff that... God wants to do great things in us, but there's nowhere for him to move because there's just stuff everywhere. So we've been talking about this idea in the three parts of our being of making space, removing some things from our lives so that God can put some things in us that he wants to do. So each week we've been talking about the various parts of our being. So what is that? We are a three part being, right? We are a spirit. It's the most important part of us. That's the real us. Right. One day this body will fade away. This body is not the real us. Our spirit man is the real us. That's what scripture talks about when it says we are born again. Our spirit comes to life and that's what will live forever in eternity in heaven with the father or separated from him in hell with the devil. Right. We have a soul. So we are a spirit. We have a soul. Our soul is what encompasses our mind, our thinking, our emotions, our reasoning, that whole deal right there, our soul, our heart. Like my heart's invested in this. Like that's our soul, right? And then the obvious one is we live in a body. That's this one. We can see that. That's the most obvious one. We are a spirit. We have a soul. We live in a body. So each week of this series, we've been talking about kind of Cleansing ourselves, kind of detoxing, if I could use like a more common term, like a detox, right? Of getting some things out and putting some good things in, right? So we've talked on the first week about our spirit, the most important part. We've, so we worked like crazy for that week, those six days of removing things from our spirit that want to pollute us and fill us with toxins and putting in things from God's word, putting in worship, putting in God's presence outside of us. Last week, we talked about our soul, kind of cleansing in our soul, detoxing soul, removing things from our soul. Today, I want to talk about a body, body detox, body cleanse. So we're going to talk about it today. And then over the next six days, Monday through Saturday, we're going to work like crazy to detox, cleanse some things from our body so that we can put in some good things that God has for us. All right. So let's start with our our base verse has kind of been the foundation for this whole idea. Why do we need to do this? What what is the whole point of this? I'm glad you asked. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 6. If you've got your Bible, you can turn there today. We're gonna to start in verse 14. Maybe you've got the free U Version Bible app. You can download that for free from the App Store. It's a great resource. It says this, verse 14. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. So what this is saying is like, hey, I know there's evilness all around you. The world is evil. There's darkness. And sometimes you can't just like remove yourself completely from it, from all the things around us. But we need to be careful how close we get to it. We need to be in this examination process. Like don't become tied to it. Don't become attached to things of this world. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what, do, what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? Belial is uh, like another name for our spiritual enemy, the devil. What does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? And these are all like obvious answer questions, right? Like, duh, nothing, <laughs> right? They're obvious. For what agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? Nothing. There's no agreement there. But we are the temple of the living God. Like God doesn't dwell in a building. The church is great. It's great to have beautiful buildings and we can have amazing services and lights and lasers and smoke and all that. That's wonderful. That's great. But that's not where God dwells. We are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live with them and walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. It's like God is saying. "He's like, hey, I want to be with you. I want to go golfing with you. I want to be at work with you. I want to be with you when you're taking your kids to school, when you're driving down I-4 and you need a little bit more Jesus. You know, I want to be with you all the time. (laughs) Some laughter says we need a little more Jesus. And we do. Lord, help those on I-4 right now to be safe. Praise the Lord. But, you know, The closeness that we can have with the Lord is really up to us by how much space we're willing to make for him, by how much we're willing to make room for him in our lives. Because you can want to have a relationship with somebody, but if you never make time for them, you're probably not going to have a relationship for them with them. When I was first dating my wife, you know, we weren't married then. But if I never made time to take her out on a date, get to know what she likes, what she doesn't like, I probably wouldn't be married to her. Right? I had to make space for her in my life. And it's the same process with the Lord. We've got to make space for him in our lives. If we're really going to be those people when we say, God, I want more of you. I want to know you more. I want to hear you speak. And where you lead. Like we've got to make room for him in our lives. We've got to be careful how close we are to these other things. So how do we do that? He goes on. Here's the solution. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing and I'll receive you. I'll be a father to you and you will be my sons and my daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Therefore, since we have these promises, what are the promises? Promises that God will be with us, that he wants us to be our father, that we'll be his sons and his daughters, that we'll have everything that we need. Let us purify ourselves. That means we have a part in the process. We decide how close we're going to be to the things in this world or how close we're going to be to the Lord. So let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates the body, the spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. So we have to realize, like, it's a, the primary role is ours to determine the level of closeness we get to the Lord. I love the promise from James, where James even highlights this as well. He says, draw near to God. And guess what? Oh, he draws near to us. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? So when you feel like God is so far away, just one step. God comes rushing in. Ah, so good. That's a good place to say amen right there. So today I want to talk about body detox. It's all right to holler back at you, boy. It helps me. We're going to talk about body detox. So I want to talk about a couple things that, you know, um, are a little, sometimes can feel a little touchy or a little awkward. Sometimes people are like, we don't even need to talk about that in church. It's trivial. Like, but the Bible has a lot to say about these things. So I want to talk about them because when, we, when I think about body detox, I begin thinking about like all the obvious things like the foods we consume and I want to have a better physique and, you know, I want to have more muscles here and less here and all that kind of stuff. And all that's good and those are important. But that's, I want to go a little deeper than that today and go beyond just those things because there's a lot out there and we can talk about those things all day. But I want to talk about some other things things that God wants to do in our lives because the truth is the things that we're doing with our body and the way that we're living are affecting the other two areas our spirit and our soul a whole lot more than we realize so is it all right today can we dig a little deeper are you with me today all right all right Romans chapter 7 the apostle Paul is writing and he says this you might feel like this sometimes he says so I find this working in me although I want to do what is good evil is right there with me. It's like, God, I want to do what's good. I love you, God. I want to do the right thing. But there's this other little voice there. It's just kind of always tempting me, right? Anybody else ever feel like that? Yeah. Yes, yes. And then he, he, he says it again, for my inner being, I delight in God's law. I know what's in, I know what's in the book is good. I, I, I'm glad. it's. In, but I see another law working in me waging war against the law of my mind. And here's the sticking point, making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. Maybe you felt that way before, but it's just he's just saying like the things we do in this body are really impacting us in a lot of ways, a lot more ways than we realize. And it's waging a war. It's a battle that's waging and it's making us a prisoner. That's why so often we're like, I'm living a life that I don't want to be living. I don't want to be struggling with this. I, I, I don't want to do God, I want to do the right thing. But so why are we constantly stuck in this battle? We can't seem to get away from it. Like God wants to speak some freedom to us in this place today. And I I love this next verse. Paul's, he's getting now he's getting frustrated. What a wretched man I am. Just, you ever felt that frustration and the tension of that, right? Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Here's the good news. Thanks be to God who delivers us through our Lord Jesus Christ. Come on, can we make some noise for Jesus delivering us? See, that's the thing we need to understand is that when we come into Christ, we don't have to be subject to those desires any longer. He has set us free from that we're going to get into that. So I want to talk about some things today, some difficult things. And if you feel a little squirmy in your seat, that's all right. But we have to understand that in those moments, there's it's the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Right? We have to learn to understand the difference between conviction and correction from the Holy Spirit and just condemnation. Because too often our culture just tells us that when somebody corrects us or tries to say something to us, well, they're just they're just putting you down. They're just like, no, no, no. The Holy Spirit doesn't work that way. Here's the thing about conviction of the Holy Spirit is it leads us to the cross. The conviction of the Holy Spirit correction, like it leads us to repentance. Right. Leads us to that place. Now, correction and discipline is not always fun. I got a lot of spankings as a kid. (laughs) It was not enjoyable at the moment. Sometimes it hurts, but that's not condemnation. Condemnation comes from the enemy, and it's meant to push you down. It doesn't bring you closer to the Lord. It makes you feel heavier on you. It makes you feel more like, oh, I can't believe you did that again. You're so bad. I can't... That's condemnation. It's pushing you down. It's, it's putting weight on you where the conviction of the Holy Spirit is leading you to the feet of Jesus, where there's grace and mercy. So we need to understand and learn to dis- discover that process in our lives. So as we talk today and as we dig in a little deeper into some things that are kind of like let the Holy Spirit speak into your life. So we're going to work over these next six days because what we know is that what we starve will die. And what we feed will grow. So these next six days, you can do six days. Right? We can do six days. Tell your neighbor, say, I can do six days. days. Tell your other neighbor a little more convincingly, say, I can do six days. Six days. That's all I'm asking. Give me six days. We're going to starve some things, right? And then we're going to feed some other things. Make sure you feed your kids, feed your pets, and feed your spouse. Please. We don't need to end up on the news for that. Pastor tells his church not to feed their kids. No, no, no. Feed your kids. Feed your kids. (laughs) Oh, praise him. So if you're taking notes today, I want you to write a couple of these things down. We're going to starve some things. We're going to work like crazy. First one is this, is addiction. Addiction. So by show of hands, how many of you would say I'm an addict? Go ahead. Just lift them up. Oh, we got some honest people up here. The rest of y'all, I'm going to be praying for you this week. Some honesty. When I, think about, <laughs> when I think about addiction, instantly my mind goes to that place where it's like, well, I'm not on drugs and I'm not an alcoholic, so I'm not an addict. But let's just define what addiction is so we can all be on the same place. Addiction is doing anything you don't want to be doing, right? It's, it's, it's being stuck with something. And all of us are in that boat in some way or another. All of us are in that place. We have addictions we're dealing with. So how do we know if we're addicted to something? Well, I've got some questions to ask yourself. Do we arrange our schedule around it? So what is your it? It's starting to come to your mind now. Are we working to keep it secret? Is it isolating us, right? Do the people around you say you have a problem with it? (laughs) That's a good indication, right? (laughs) Or worse yet, would you be able to stop? Would you be able to stop and walk away and not like, I'm cool, I don't need that. We have addictions that we're facing in our lives that we need to get away from. So what is it in your life? Maybe it's gambling. Maybe it's those lustful glances when somebody walks by. Maybe it's pornography. Maybe it's Hulu. Some of us are addicted to Hulu. Right? I don't know what it is for you. All of us, it'll be different things. But the reality is, is that God doesn't want us to be stuck there. And the good news about God is he's not just like, don't do that. He's like, God, God's ways are life-giving. It's always a way out. And with the Lord, like anytime we're facing anything, he's like, I've just got something better for you if you just come this way. Right? That's the heart of the Father. So in, in Romans chapter six, we rewind a few verses from where we were just reading with Paul and he's writing this and to the same people. And he says, therefore, don't let sin reign in your mortal body. Like don't let sin be in charge of you. Right. Don't let it. Because if you do, you'll obey its desires. So don't offer any part of yourself as sin to as an instrument of wickedness. But instead, offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of you to him as an instrument of righteousness for sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law you are under grace come on somebody say amen, amen right there amen. see this is the thing we need to understand is that sin is not our master for those of us who have received Christ it tells us right there that we have been brought from dead to life. That's the part of our spirit. Our spirit, man, who we really are, comes alive. And when that happens, we are no longer slaves to sin. We are no longer under the authority or the power or the dominion of sin. Like we are now under the grace of Jesus. So sin has no power over us. So I don't need to live my life in this battle, this war with sin like, oh, "I wish I could do what was right, but I just keep do-. No, we have been set free from that. We just need to take some steps away from things and get closer To God, because that's where grace is. That's where freedom is. There's no grace and freedom in the world. There's no grace and freedom from sin. We've been set free. We've been delivered. We have the grace of God in our lives. And I'm so thankful for it. Come on, sin is not our master. That's good news. Let's take another step deeper. Is that all right? Come on. So here's the second one. Debauchery. (laughs) That's a big word. I know everybody's looking up at the screen. How do I spell that? I... (laughs) I had to make sure I was spelling it right, too, because it's a big word. It's one of those fancy Bible words. And um, it is a word from the Bible. And I try not to, like, we don't want to have, like, a bunch of Christian lingo that, like, when somebody comes into the church, like, what does all that mean? Like, we just need to use normal words. But this is an actual word from the Bible. And so I wanted to use it because it, it, it just simply means, like, letting your senses call the shots. If you look it up in the dictionary, the dictionary definition is indulging in your sensuality. That's debauchery, indulging in your sensuality, letting your feelings call the shots. It's a serious issue in our society today, and it really, has to be, it really needs to be addressed more for us as Christians, not letting our feelings, our senses make decisions right? See, the generations before us, they were raised on much more like moral absolutes, like this is right, this is wrong, there's no middle, like no matter what, even in that moment when you feel like I should do the right thing or do the wrong thing, like there's that thing inside you that comes out like they were taught like, no, that's wrong. And even if you still do the wrong thing, you knew it was wrong. You're like, you know, they had this moral moral compass. But the generations today, it's it's not the philosophy that's being pushed out there today. It's today, it's do what you feel. If that feels right to you, that's who you are. Just go with it. Like that's what's being pushed today is, is uh, right or wrong, isn't it? Listen, there is a right and there is a wrong, and we get that from the word of God. We don't need to be people who are guided by our feelings because feelings are crazy. Yes. Feelings are like that old almond joy commercial. Sometimes I feel like a nut, sometimes I don't. <laughs> right? it's so true. Like isn't it true you can wake up and you're like one moment you're like let's go and then the next moment you're like I can't believe I have to go there I don't even like going there You know, feelings just are fickle. They come and they go. They blow with the wind. They can change when somebody looks at you funny. And then when somebody smiles at you, you're like, oh, all right. now I feel good. You know, like feelings. And no wonder when we have people and a a, a generation of people that are learning to make decisions based on that. No wonder we have so many people who are depressed, full of anxiety, who don't know, you know, up from down, who are full of disorders and bipolar. No wonder because we're making decisions based on our feelings. But we are not supposed to be people who make decisions based on feelings your feelings cannot be trusted so we're not going to make decisions we are people we walk by faith not by sight we are people we make decisions based on convictions from the word of god not on our feelings listen choices lead feelings will follow we cannot make choices based on our feelings We've got to begin to decide what God's word says. Even the things we put inside of our bodies affect that, right? Ephesians 5.18 says this. Don't get drunk on wine. Why? Because it leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the spirit. So it's like he's saying, even be careful about what you put in your body. We've all been around that person who puts too much of some kind of substance in their body, right? Maybe it was you. That's all right. We love you. And. What happens when we do that is like all of a sudden like our senses are blurred and kind of like, like that's when we make dumb decisions, right? We're, we're incapacitated. Like that moment, like that's what he's saying. It leads us to that moment of making decisions based on how we feel because our senses are dulled. But instead of doing that, like be filled with the Spirit. Let the Spirit of God inside of you lead you on a path to make decisions, not by something we put in our body. Now I can't even think clearly. I can't hear God because I've, I've got this other thing in me that's, that's leading my body. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Can we go one more step deeper? All right, here's the third one. Sexual immorality. It's a big one. This is a These two words are from the Bible as well. I didn't make them up or pull them out. These are from the Bible. And the Bible is very vocal on the topic of sexuality and very plain and very clear. I know people out there say, well, no, listen, you just need to read the Bible and you will see it is like just like everything else. It's plain. It's clear. There's no doubt left in there about how God views sexuality. So this term, sexual immorality, we need to really define what it is because if we're not careful, it can be like addiction. And we're like, well, I don't do that kind of sexual immorality, so it's okay. Like, that's not what I'm involved. So let's just define how the Bible, what we're talking about here. We get our two English words there from one Greek word, and that Greek word is pornia. Okay, that's where we get our English word now, pornography. But this word pornea doesn't necessarily mean pornography how we think about it. Okay, it means all sexual sin outside of marriage. That's what this word pornea means, sexual sin. That's, not, that, that's outside of marriage. And we need to just understand that we're talking about marriage is defined by God and not by a government. Amen. Government can decide what they want, and that's fine. But we, you know, we can't unwrite what God has written And As believers, we follow what God says. Right? And, I mean, you can, you can read the Scriptures for yourself. Scripture very clearly defines at the beginning of Genesis, marriage is one man, one woman, as a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and that's what God defines marriage as. So that's what we're talking about here, right? I'm not picking on any one group of people, right? There's none of that, not singling anybody out, because all sexual sin outside of marriage, that's what we're talking about. It's all sin. It's the same. So whether we're talking about lust, whether we're talking about pornography, whether we're just talking about, you know, Glances, those flirtatious things where we got going on, you know, whether we're talking about, you know, cohabiting or just, you know, sex before marriage, whether hetero or homosexual. It doesn't matter. It's the same. It's not singling one out says this one is worse than that one. This is the same thing that we're dealing with. Right. And maybe you're here. Maybe you're walking through some of that right now. And I just want to tell you, like, God's not mad at you. And we love you. You're welcome here. So figure out whatever you got to figure out. Just ask whatever questions like this is a safe place. You are welcome. I just want you to know that. But we, but we do have to be honest about what Scripture tells us, right? 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 15. Paul is, um, uh, this is before where we've been looking at our, 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 our verse here. And he's writing to this Corinthian church, right? What you need to understand about the city of Corinth is that the city of Corinth was the home of the temple of the Greek goddess Aphrodite, right? She was the goddess of, the little g goddess of love. Right? Ooh, love. Come on. (laughs) So what would happen when people would travel from all around to worship this little G goddess? And what they would do in the act of worshiping at this temple is they would engage in these sexual encounters with prostitutes as their worship. It's crazy. Can you imagine, like, coming to church? Let's not imagine that. (laughs) (laughs) Rewind a little. (laughs) Woo! Now my cheeks are red. (laughs) Good to have fun in church. So Paul is writing to these these Christians at Corinth who are still participating in this. You know, like he's like, guys, I've got something to tell you, right? So he says, don't you know? Like maybe you just didn't know. Maybe that you didn't know that your bodies are members of Christ Himself, right? Oh, that's right, because God doesn't dwell in buildings. We are the temple of the living God, right? Maybe you just didn't know. So shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? And then he gives us the answer. Never, never. He's the, he's the real Captain Obvious right here, the Apostle Paul. And he's using this word unite. It's a unique word, and he's kind of used it in this text to kind of get our attention, to kind of shock and horrify people a little bit because in this day and time like this was that behavior was just considered normal and just part of life he's using this word unite because unite comes from the beginning of genesis when god said that a man will leave his father and mother and be united and Yes, there's the physical uniting, you know, the two become one flesh, but it's becoming one in a much deeper sense. This word unite literally means like being fused together on a deep level. Like there's a soul connection going on. It's way more than a physical thing. Like there's this deep connection that's happening in this moment that you would be united. So Paul's like literally saying, he's like, how can we take a member of Christ and on a deep, emotional, deep level, unite that to a prostitute? Like No way. No way. And he goes on. He even quotes that. He says, for it said, the two will become one flesh. But see, the thing about this is that God put this unite thing inside of sexuality on purpose. He did it to help all the married people. Okay. Right. Because when you're married and this part of your, your marriage is healthy and it should be healthy, like there's this deep thing that happens there. Right. There's this soul bond that happens in that way more than just a pleasurable part that he made part of it as well. And all the married people said, amen. Right. He put all that in there, but he put that in there to help us to strengthen our marriage, that there be this deep soul thing that happens there. Right? That's why God put it in there. That's why it's so important. That's why those kind of sexual sins wreck us way more than we realize. It's not just a you know a casual encounter here or there. It's way deeper because you're leaving part of you with them and they're leaving part of them with you. There's this deep soul thing happening there and we've got to realize that God's not saying like, hey, you need to keep this in this bond of marriage that so like, hey, he doesn't want us to have fun. No, God is not. That's not what he's about. He's like, I realize that there's this deep thing happening there. And if you're not Careful! It's going to wreck you and hurt you way more than you realize. Way more than we realize. So how do we, how do we deal with this? How do we move forward? How, what do we need to put in our lives? So I want to give us a few things here. Here's the good part. Here's the good stuff, all right? So we know we're going to work, on, like, work like crazy, starving those things. But we're going to also work like crazy, putting some other things. So how do we do this? First of all, we need to just get away from it. <laughs> the obvious one, get away from it. Right. If, if there's a, you know, a chipper right there, you put the trees in there and they, they chew up all the trees. Right. Don't see how close you can get your hand to it without getting your finger cut off. Like get away from the chipper. Right. Don't try to manage sin. Get away from it. Get away from it. Right. We need to get away from something. Say get away from it. I don't know what your it is, but that's why you have the Holy Spirit. You don't need a pastor to be your Holy Spirit. It's not my job. My job is to, to equip you with what the Word of God says so that we can do what God has created us to do. You have the Holy Spirit, so He's going to speak to your heart. He's going to tell you what that it is. But what is it? We need to get away from it. Some of us, you know, maybe it's, it, for some of it might be pornography, you know, looking at things on your phone. Why, why does that even, nobody even gets hurt, Pastor. Why does it matter what I look at? Like some, Listen, we just, some of you just need to get a dumb phone. You don't need a smartphone. Maybe you need to delete some apps, delete some phone numbers. Some of us going back to school, starting college, and you've already had some of those relationships. And you realize this relationship is not pulling me the right way. It's pulling things out of me that are not of God. You just need to text them right now, say, it's over, baby. It is like you just need to cut some things off. Right. We need to get rid of some things and just just be a little like, are, are we really the people? God, I want you more than anything else. We really want God's presence. We really want to see his power working in our lives. We really want his blessing and his favor. We got to make some space for him. We got to get rid of some things that are in our lives. Got to get rid of some things. Here's the next one. We need to work like crazy to guard our minds. We Got to guard our minds. It all starts in the mind. If you haven't read the book Battlefield of the Mind, I encourage you to do it. It's a great book, but we've got to guard our mind. It all starts in the mind, right? So many of us are, like, listening to that, our favorite song on the radio. You know, it's that one about that casual sexual relationship that we know isn't right. Oh, it doesn't bother me, pastor. It's just a song. I can listen to it. Oh, it doesn't bother you? Like, it should bother you. (laughs) It's the same like playing video games. Like, "I I just got 40 points for killing 40 people. What's up? Like, it doesn't bother me. It's just a video game. No, no, no. That's a problem. It should bother you, right? Some of these things we have just become so conditioned to it that it doesn't bother us anymore. We're letting stuff into our bodies and we don't even realize how much it's affecting us on, on deep levels. We've got to get to the place where we let the Holy Spirit speak to us. Romans 8, chapter, uh, chapter 8, verse 5 says this. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set. It's what they're thinking about. Their minds are set on what the flesh desires. But those who who live in accordance with the Spirit, have their mindset on what the Spirit desires. So it's not like a holier-than-thou. It's not, nobody's better than you or anything else. It's just I've set my mind on something different. I, I, just, I, I put my mind on, on eternity. I put my mind on Jesus. God, what are you speaking to me? That's way more important to me than what I heard on the Kardashians last night. But people get their whole lives wrapped up in keeping up with them. They've got their mindset on that. And then no wonder they end up in relationships where they've they got three baby daddies and all these other things. Like no, Because that's what they're focused on. But my mind, we've got to get our minds set on Jesus. We've got to get our mindset on things above. Um, see, the happiest, most fulfilled, most self-controlled people are people who realize they're living for something greater than themselves. They're not living just focused on me, me, me. What do I need? Like they're living on, I'm living focused on something Else, I've got to get my mind set on what the Spirit does. So how do we do that? Listen, there's no casual thoughts. Like we've, we've got to realize if we want our mind set on what the Spirit is, like we've got to realize there's no casual thoughts, right? So we don't just have a thought, oh, that was a nice thought. No, like every, every thought that comes into my mind, I've got to take it captive. Now I've got it captive. What do I do with it? I, I compare it to the knowledge that I have of Christ. That's the word. That's the Bible. So I have a thought that comes in. Does this thought match up with what the Bible says? Huh, why? This thought is, is opposite to what God said in the Bible. That's not from God. I'm not, keep, like, I'm not keeping that thing. I'm going to think on things that are holy, honest, lovely, pure, just, the good report. Then I turn around, and I go down the hallway, another thought comes in. Oh, that's not, like, I got to compare that one. Like, that's the process. That's how we get our minds set on what the spirit desires and not what the flesh desires. There's no casual thoughts. We've got to begin to replace that stinking thinking with what the word of God says to get our minds set on the spirit. Because once our mind is set on what the spirit is, like, none of that stuff matters anymore, because now all of a sudden, then we want what the spirit wants. We want to see God's presence. We want to see healing. I want to lay hands on the sick and see them recover, but I can't because I've been all wrapped up in all this other stuff. So how can the power of God flow through me? You realize that's what scripture says, right? That those who follow Christ, that we will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. That's the power of God flowing through our lives. But the power, is it getting through or is it blocked up, held up by all the other stuff? Gotta make some space for some things. We've got to take our thoughts captive. I'm preaching about 83% better than y'all are. Amen. I know it's severe. You're right. Some of you are thinking that, wow, Pastor, that's that's severe. Absolutely, it is. But you see, I'm just I'm just trying to get my mind focused on what the Spirit says. Because I was created on purpose. I have a calling of God in my life. God gave me a race to run. He's put people in my path I'm meant to encounter. He put his very spirit inside of me. He put his power inside of me. I, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I've got something to do. I ain't got time for all that other stuff. So yeah, I've got to do whatever it takes to get my mind set on what the spirit says. So yeah, it's going to be severe of cutting some things out. Here's the last one. Here's the last one. We've got to go all in with God. Kind of go all in. Some of us have been living our Christian lives like this. God, I I got one toe in. I'll add that second toe today, God. All right, all right. Some of us have just been playing hokey pokey too long with the Lord. Like, I got one arm in. I got one arm out. I got one. I'm going to. We'll skip the shaking. We've been playing hokey pokey too long and today's the day. It's time to go all in. It's time to go all in. It's It's just the deal that we've made with the Lord. Scripture says, we're not our own. We've been bought with a price. So, the deal I made with God was that, you know, he makes with us. We have sin. He's like, you got this sin thing. And you need to take care of it. Well, the only payment for sin is in, is in death. So, if you die with sin, you got to go pay for it in hell. Hell's not a place that God will send you if he's mad at you, it's just a place people can go pay for their own sins. You don't have to, though. Your sins have been paid for. But if you want to pay for him, you're welcome to do that. He's going to let you. But you don't have to because he sent his only son because he loves you so much. So Jesus came. That's why he came, to pay for your sins, past, present, and future. What was the payment? The cross. The cross was the payment. Jesus died for us so that we could be set free. So we wouldn't have to pay for our own sin. So we could go all in with him. And that's what he asked for in return. I'll pay for your sins. I just want all of you. I want all of you. I want to be with you. I want your heart. I want, to, I want to be part of your thoughts because I've got so much for you. I've got more for you than you can imagine. I've got more for you than you're experiencing from him right now. He's got more peace for you. He's got more blessing for you. He's got more of his power that he wants to give you. He's got more than you're experiencing or you can dream up right now. We've just got to position ourselves to, with him. We've got to go all in. got to go all in. see what I've learned is that (laughs) sin loses its its appeal when you find something better (laughs) right it's like that's why for me like you know adultery is like that's not a temptation for me because I found something better scripture says he who finds a wife finds a good thing I found the best thing I love my wife that's why like you know what I'm saying like so that's like not a thing I found something better so that's not a like that's no problem right? Sin loses its appeal, its attraction when we find something better. Man, God has better things for us than anything this world would bring our way. God has greater things for us. It's not trying to be perfect. (laughs) No, don't nudge your spouse right now and be like, nobody's perfect right? I'm not perfect. None of us will ever be there. It's not we're trying to be there. It's just that we're trying to be focused. We're trying to get our eyes above ourselves. We're trying to get our eyes fixed on Jesus, to get our mind fixed on what God wants for us. Because when we get to that place, man, look out, baby, because nothing can slow us down. The blessing of God will just flow out of you. The power of God will flow out of you. There'll be so much happening. in You'll be like, God, This is so good. You have so much better for me than anything this world has, and that's when we step into that place where like sin has no control over us. Sin can't even appeal to me like that has nothing. It's not my master because I'm under grace. That's how we get to that place. That's how we get to that place. We got to go all in, holding nothing back. God, everything I have, everything I have is yours, Lord. I thank you that you're moving in this place today.